So this is probably the most frequently asked question that I have gotten over the years um, in pastoral ministry. And the question is this. How can I know the will of God for my life? How can I know the will of God? How do I know what is God's will for me? The second most question, most asked question that I get, how in the world can you be a Raiders fan? They're both fair questions. I grew up in Southern California, L.A., Raiders. Raiders were the home team. I'm a loyal guy. Come on. Sorry, I digress. But what does God want me to do with my life? What is God's will for my life? It's a fair question. What is my calling? How do you know something is God's will? We might hear it phrased differently. I just get, give a few ways that we, could, we can phrase that. We can hear it phrased differently, but it's the same question. What if I told you that God knew that this would be a question of ours? And what if I told you that Jesus himself gave the most amazing answer in the Word to this question? You guys, if Jesus was, it was here right now, and we had, let's just, let's just say we were limited to one question, okay? And we asked Jesus one question. Would we listen to that answer? Gary, if, if Jesus asked you one question right now, would you give him 100% of your attention? Just with bated anticipation, listening to every word. I could, I could ask every one of us that. We all would. Every word he said, we would be hanging on. Every word he said, we'd have our recording devices out. We'd have notes out. We would write down every word he said. We would record it. We would remember it. We would stand on it. We would tell others about it. It would bring us life, right? I mean, that's not a stretch, right? Jesus gave us a prayer to pray that would help us know what God's will is for our lives. He gave us a prayer to pray that would establish a pattern of going to the Lord in a specific manner and with the very things that God wanted us to come to Him with anyway. This prayer is the greatest prayer ever uttered. Greatest prayer ever imagined, ever devised. And it's the greatest prayer there ever will be. This prayer originated with Jesus, was uttered by Jesus, authored and verbally conceived by Jesus himself. And every word in this prayer was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I can't say that about too many of my prayers. Every word inspired by the Holy Spirit. I, we can't say that about all the prayers we pray. Probably not too many of the prayers we pray. But this prayer that Jesus prayed, that can be said. And what do we call this prayer? 
the Lord's Prayer. We call this prayer the Lord's Prayer. And what's interesting about this prayer is it wasn't a prayer that Jesus ever had to pray. Jesus didn't pray this prayer. We pray this prayer. The Lord gave us, the Lord gifted us this prayer. He didn't pray this prayer. Jesus didn't have to say, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who trespass. He didn't, he had no need to pray this. This was a gift to us. You guys, can we look at this screen? And we don't do this very often, but can we read this passage from Matthew 6 out loud? Actually, let's do, let's do this. Um, can, we, can we stand and, and read this together? Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Sadly, the modern church, I don't like to do this, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to make, I'm going to make quotation marks with my fingers. I'm doing that. The modern church has all but thrown this away. Has all but thrown this prayer away. Why? Oh, it's too restrictive. You can't take away my freedom. You can't tell me how to pray. Really, friends, we, Jesus can't tell us how to pray. This prayer should never be a thing of religion. And we should never be so progressive that we that we don't hold this prayer close to our hearts. You guys, there is one amazing benefit that we have in praying the Lord's Prayer. And this benefit is this. To learn how to interpret the will of God an amazing benefit to this prayer. When we pray this prayer, we get the benefit of learning, learning by Jesus himself, him teaching us, the Holy Spirit guiding us, learning how to interpret the will of God. I ask that question, what's the will of God? There's not a, I, I can't just give you a list and go, this, 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 and this. That's the will of God. Because our lives are multifaceted. Our lives have many moving parts and are constantly changing. There's constantly new opportunities and new distractions and new whatever presented for us. But we haven't been left on our own and on an island with this. God is so faithful to guide us in being able to interpret what the will of God is. And in His Word, we find the Lord's Prayer, and it's powerful. If we understand the Lord's Prayer, we will be more able to pray in His will. If we understand the Lord's Prayer, we will develop a spiritual sensitivity that equips us to pray rightly and not wrongly. And we'll see in a moment that we can pray wrongly. If we understand the Lord's Prayer, we will develop 
a spiritual sense, kind of like a spidey sense, but they ripped it off from Jesus. A spiritual sense that sets off an inner warning. <clears throat> that inner warning could be a whispering or a screaming, saying, don't go there. And that includes when we begin to pray wrongly. And this comes by knowing what we are truly praying when we pray this perfect prayer. So here's the good news. I'm not going to cram all of this at you in one week. We're going to take several weeks to unpack this prayer. We're going to take several weeks to embrace this, to understand this, to understand how we come to Him, why, when, and what we say in each one of these components. I'm not saying that it's in the Lord's Prayer that we will always know that what we ask for is what God wants for us. I don't know that. I don't, I'm not certain of what I ask God for that He wants for us. Paul didn't know that. Paul in Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. But we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to what? The will of God. He intercedes for us according to the will of God. Friends, I tell you, this is one of the reasons that, that we should pray in the Spirit, that we should pray in tongues often. What praying the Lord's Prayer does mean is that we will be spared of constantly asking for what's displeasing to God. You guys, we've got to develop that, that spiritual sensitivity. Jesus knew this. The context of the Lord's Prayer and when it was presented was the Sermon on the Mount. The focus of the Sermon on the Mount. Anyone know what it is? I'd be very impressed. The focus of the Sermon on the Mount. The Kingdom of Heaven. The Kingdom of Heaven. R.T. Kendall defines the Kingdom of Heaven as this. The conscious presence and enabling grace of God. The conscious presence. The awareness on our the awareness of the presence of God and the enabling, empowering grace of God. It's not something that's just some far off concept out there. We've got to be aware that that we are in the midst of the kingdom of heaven. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're not we're not longing for some long off, far off day. cannot make the God of the Bible do whatever we want. I think we all know this. 
But I'm still amazed at the prayers. I hear it from time to time, and I'm like, He's God! I I mean, um, let this just kind of be a teaching point. We can't command God to do anything. He's God! There's got to be honor. There's got to be reverence. We see that in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. But we don't command God to do anything. He's not... he, He doesn't forget His words, but yet when we pray, we, we remind Him of our words. More so than that, we remind ourselves of His words so that we can stand on them and so that He can say, yeah, we're in one accord. We're in alignment here. We can't make God do what we want, but we can touch His heart. We can affect His answer. We even see in the Bible, we can affect His timing. We can move the heart of God and we can move His hand to action. But He asks for interaction. He asks for prayer. He asks for dialogue. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So we just need to learn how to delight ourselves in the Lord. Right? I mean, this is beautiful, a beautiful promise. Delight yourselves in, in, the, in the ways of the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I like that for two reasons. Number one, when I'm delighting myself in the ways of the Lord, um, my, heart, my heart is after Him. My will yields to Him. Because it's not in my ways I'm delighting myself it's, it's in the ways of the Lord but also I dig this when I'm des- delighting myself in the ways of the Lord he just he just takes these new desires and he puts them in my heart and he goes desire this this is better for you desire this I want to give you these new desires I have new desires right when we give our lives to Christ I have new desires before I surrendered my life to Christ I had a very specific set of desires I don't have those anymore. Why? He gave me new desires. I delighted myself in the ways of the Lord. Knowing what the will of God is, it starts with delighting ourselves in the wonder of who our God is. He's awesome. If we can find ourselves delighting in the Lord's prayer, then it's a very good sign that we are delighting in God Himself. We should first pray, your will be done. Before praying prayers that send the message, what I really want is for my will to be done. The words of your will be done shouldn't be a precursor to then asking for whatever we want. It should be a pause and a reflection, possibly even a confession. Lord, your will be done. Lord, your will be done. I want your will to be done. Lord, this is what I desire. This is what, I, what I'm praying and asking for. But Lord, that is all trumped by the fact that I want your will to be done. You guys, please don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. But how many of us do not have this prayer memorized? Did you know that there was a time in America when every 
schoolgirl and schoolboy had this memorized because they began every day by reciting the Lord's Prayer and then doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Did you know that? Every child in America had this memorized. Now, far too few of us have this memorized. Not for the sake of memorization, but for the sake of, of, of knowing that Jesus gave us these words. The disciples, you know, so the, so the Lord's Prayer, what we read, that, that was in Matthew. Later in, in Luke, chapter 11, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he, he says, okay. And he says the exact same thing. I mean, you know, leave the couple, basically the same thing. This is how he tells them they should pray. When they said, Lord, how should we pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, we, we learned it with the thighs. We learned it with the, with the King James, you know. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our, mine trespasses, you know. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine. How often do we use thine? Not, not enough. Not near enough. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You guys, there's power in these words. There's power in these words. There's power in every one of the petitions that's listed there. There's power. Did you know what's funny? This prayer is probably the most repeated prayer ever of all time. And before Jesus gave us the prayer, he warns us against mindless, heartless repetition of prayers. Matthew 6, 7 through 9. This is right, we read 9 through 13. That's the Lord's Prayer, 9 through 13. So 7, 7 through 9. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You guys, it's not the repetition part that Jesus was rebuking us for. It was the meaningless part. He wasn't saying we shouldn't be repetitive in this. He was saying it should never become meaningless. It should never be religious. I, I kind of do get why the modern churches have thrown this out, but that's very much like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Very much. You guys, we can be hungry and yielded to our Lord in this prayer and it not become some religious liturgy that loses its meaning. So here's what I'm asking each one of us to do. Let's take the next few weeks and let's go through the Lord's Prayer together. Let's make Matthew 6 part of our study. And, and let's come into this place I'm really, really open and attentive to each each one of the segments as we break down this prayer. But but 
more so than that, even before we have the fullness of understanding, even before you know the Lord kind of turns some lights on, we can be praying this. I want us praying this every day. And let's let the Holy Spirit show us things, you know, individually in that time of prayer. Let's not repeat this prayer. Let's pray this prayer. We may have the question, but isn't it good to pray any way, any way we want as long as it's from our hearts? Yes and no, honestly. Yes and no. I was about to go no. I was about to do the no. But yes and no. Open dialogue and conversation with God. Yes. Yes. We can come to God. And we should come to God with honor and reverence and holiness. But you know what? Our God is, is phenomenal. Our God is strong. And he is big hearted. And he is ridiculously loving. So we can even come to him in a bad mood. We can come to him with a bad attitude. We can come to him in dishonoring tones and it's our daddy and he's still going to hear us not the best way to go but just so you know we have the freedom to go that way we really do we have the freedom to go in just a bad state of heart because he's our daddy so that's the yes part but the way that we ask and the things that we ask for not so much. It is definitely possible to wrongly ask when we pray. James 4.3 says this. You ask, and what happens? You do not receive. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Guys, a wrong prayer, a wrong ask is those things that are just focused on self that don't include God in the equation at all. Praying wrongly is when we don't pray in God's will, either from wrong motives or from ignorance. And a prayer prayed outside of God's will most likely will not be answered. It might. It most likely will not. And when that happens, what? who gets blamed for that prayer not being answered? Who gets blamed? God. Because we didn't pray according to His will. Lord, I am so mad at Cadence right now because she didn't clean her room. So Lord, I'm asking you to make her throw up. How stupid is that? I don't want you to throw up, baby. But I do want you to clean your room. It's decent. It's decent. It's a good point, baby. The only guarantee of answered prayer is to pray in God's will. The only guarantee of answered prayer is to pray in God's will. And we know this because this guarantee is given in the Word of God. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. 
The difficulty is we don't always know if we're asking rightly. The reason we're going to go through this on the Lord's Prayer is because when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we can know. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we can know we are praying His will. And isn't that an amazing feeling to know that we are praying 100% of His will? Because it is. That's an amazing feeling. See, we're going to be intentional about it. And, and right now you might be going, is it an amazing feeling? I don't know. It is. It is. Because we're going to be intentional just as Christ was intentional with every word He said in this prayer. We're going to be intentional in praying this prayer. And when we're done, we can, we can say, oh, 100% God's will. Now here's the great part. This pattern that's laid out for us of the Lord's Prayer, it's a pattern that will help us in all aspects of our prayer. We're not just limited to the Lord's Prayer. Be abundantly clear in that. We're not just limited to praying in the Lord's will only when we're praying the Lord's Prayer. But this is going to help establish a pattern for us of surrender and faith and priority. The Lord's Prayer is verbally inspired by the Holy Spirit, and therefore it is perfectly worded. You guys, I don't know that we think of this prayer this way, but this prayer is revelation. It is. I want us to never read this the same way. It is revelation. Now, maybe we don't think so, because we had a second grade teacher force us to to learn this and we didn't realize the spiritual implications of this or whatever it is. But it's revelation. Revelation of how we should pray because it mirrors God's will for His people. And you guys, it can't be stressed enough. Jesus is the formulator of every single word of this prayer. Psalm 106 shares one of the most disconcerting passages in all of scripture verse 13 of psalm 106 says this they quickly forgot his works they did not wait for his counsel god's counsel but craved intensely and tempted god in the desert so he gave them their request but sent a wasting disease among them you guys, I, I do think that when we are persistent in our prayers, even if they're bad prayers, there's times the Lord's like, all right, we're going to give them what they want. And, and it's a disease, man. Think about this. When we receive what's outside of God's will, is there a better description than that, than a disease? Do, you, do we want anything, really? I mean, let's really think about the implications of it. Do we want anything that we're asking for if it's not within God's will? What's the result of that going to be? Bad. Real bad. Right? So we learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to pray according to His will. You guys, memorizing this prayer is great, but it's got to be prayed from the heart. There's got to be meaning behind it. It's not just a mindless repetition, but it's a heart-filled prayer. In Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. 
Friends, if we ask the Lord how to pray, and he responds with this, we need to be obedient. We need to follow it. Remember what we read in John, in 1 John 5? We'll get to that. We'll go back to it in one second. I talked about what, what the benefit was. But let me ask you this. What's the purpose of the Lord's Prayer? What's the purpose? The benefit is we learn to, to, to know what the will of God is, to, to pray the will of God, to hear the will of God. That's a benefit. What's the purpose of the Lord's Prayer? The aim of this prayer, and any prayer, is to be heard by the Father. To be heard. The aim is to be heard. And rewarded. But what? It's true. It's true. The aim is to be heard and subsequently rewarded. So I want to read that passage from 1 John 5, 14 again. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. He hears us. He hears us. And right before Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, he says this in Matthew 6, 5 and 6. When you pray, do not like, do not, you are not to be like the hypocrites, but they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men they love to be seen by men. They love to be heard by men instead of God. Truly, I say to you that they have their reward in full. And it ain't much. That it ain't much part was me. That was my... But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You guys, what, he's, what Jesus is saying is your Father wants to know your heart is geared toward Him and not to the pleasure of men. Your Heavenly Father, He wants to know that it's not men's ear that we're longing to grab. It's not men's attention. It's not men's approval. It's not to be seen by men. That is not. What Jesus is saying is desire that it be God's ear that you desire, that God hears you. You pray so that God might hear you. And, and not just hear you. Not, not just like, no, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, 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 I hear you. But to go, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. We all want to be heard. There's times, you know, like normally a parent with a kid that will be like, hey, I told you, did you hear me? And, and the kids are like, yeah, I heard you. What am I really saying? You, you haven't obeyed yet, so I don't, I'm questioning whether you really heard me. Right? That's what I'm saying. 
I asked you to do the dishes. Did you hear me? You haven't done it yet, so you, you haven't heard me. Okay, hearing, it speaks of action, guys. And our God loves to direct his action towards us. This is what this is about. This isn't about our action. In that example, it was about, you know, my kids doing the dishes, their action. But I'm talking about God's action towards us when he says, I hear you. I hear you. You have my full attention. See, you gave me your full attention. You gave me your heart. You have my attention. You have my heart. Charles H. Spurgeon has this wonderful quote. When I don't pray, coincidences don't happen. When I pray, coincidences happen. Proverbs 3.6 says this, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. When we talk about hearing from the Lord, there's an acknowledgement of God in all of our ways. When we're talking about, hey, I just want to know, am I, am I, am I, what is God's will for my life? Is this according to God's will? You guys, acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And He directs our path. He makes our path straight. The Lord's Prayer begins with acknowledging God, worshiping Him, focusing on His interests, His will. And then come petitions that apply directly to us. We'll cover this. But go ahead and go ahead of me. Go ahead and read Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Read. Go ahead. See what happens when we come to the Lord in a specific way with a specific state of heart and then see what He does. See when we come with a surrendered heart obedient to do what He desires, including the daunting task of forgiving. And see what He does. See what He provides. Then we can sleep like a baby knowing that we are in the the sweetest of sweet spots of His will. hope in this little mini-series is that we would understand what it is to know what God's will is, and that we would pray according to His will. We'll use the Lord's Prayer as our template to start, and then we'll include that in our pattern of how we do it moving forward. And we begin with honor. We begin with reverence. And we begin with unity in these two sweet words. Our Father. Our Father. Honor, reverence.